Welcome to the top sports podcast you'll listen to this hour. This is the Marston Sipe Sports Podcast featuring Yanch. The Marston Sipe Sports Podcast featuring Yach. I am Marst, Andrew Marston, joined again by Yach, Josiah, Timothy Evans, and back after honeymooning, after a wedding, after it all, the one, the only, Sipe, Benjamin Sykes. It's good to be here. Uh, I'm happy to... Good to be here. It's good to have you, Ben. I'm glad that you are here. Uh, how uh, have you been? Any any new news? Anything? Uh, congratulations, um, by the way. Yeah, so it turns out that uh, Sarah got Stevie Nicks, singer of Fleetwood Mac, confused for Steve Nash. <laughs> so I'm currently in the process of filing for divorce. Oh, wow. <sighs> it's a landslide. It's a Stevie landslide. Nash. Yeah, Steve so it was a, that, was a, that was a day and a half. <laughs> You know, I mean, there are worse mistakes. No, no, there really aren't. I was going to say there are worse, uh, worse confusions that could be made, but no, there really aren't. That's one of the worst things you can say to Ben. Ben, ben loves Steve Nash with his whole heart. I, I love Steve Nash, but even more so now, I love Devin Booker. But mm. that's, that's a conversation for later. Mm. Well, we'll get to that. I got to ask the question, though. Since it was brought up, how do you feel about Stevie Nicks? Listen, I'm a big, I'm a big Fleetwood Mac fan. Hey, he'll say uh, it. Hey, I, me too. I, I have two, I have two Fleetwood Mac albums on vinyl. Uh, oh. I think Landslide is a masterpiece. Where of would you song. rank it all time? Yes. Do you think it's a top fifteen song of all time? I don't know about. That. I'd have to like. There's a lot of music out there. Definitely, definitely. Uh, it's a, it's a contender though for me personally. It's in my top 100, and I listen to a lot of music, and so 100 is pretty good, but it's in my top 100. Yes. 15 is just, that's the upper echelon that you can't gets, really, you just, can't really cover in It gets so difficult. A minute. It's just Africa by Toto by fi- for 15 times. It's on repeat. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's just on repeat. Uh, it, gets, it gets all muddied up, like when we talked about uh, with Caleb Dye over while you were uh, out, Ben, about our top five NBA players all time. Once you get past number three, it's like where in the world, like, it just, you have to start making yeah. picks. Um, especially once you get past four. Like, some people would make an easy case, Magic Johnson for four. Uh, but once you get past that, I mean, who do you, who's your five? And there's so many options. Yeah, I think um, that's that's a really difficult. I mean, I think like best point guard is still clearly Magic Johnson. Best two is clearly MJ, and I think those are both top five players. I think the hardest one. There's two positions that are harder than any. Uh, small forward, I think, is pretty clearly LeBron James. You mm. might not like him, but I I think you have a hard time arguing for anybody other than LBJ. But at, at the four and five is really, really, really difficult. Uh, I don't think either one of those are clear cut choices. Yeah, like I was saying no, uh, that episode. You got Tim Duncan. You got Dirk Nowitzki. You got uh, Kevin Garnett at the four. Yeah, can we can we talk about three generational talent talents at the four playing all it's at the same unreal. time, all drafted around the yeah. same time? Mm. Duncan Nowitzki. I mean, you have to throw in all three mm. of their names. 
Um, and not to mention, they're coming on the back of Carl Malone. I took all is, three of them over Carl Malone. That's that's yeah. a take. That's a, a take. That's but a take. also, I, it was a take. I don't mess with Carl Malone for uh, obvious reasons. If you've done your <laughs> research on Carl Malone, his first child. But uh, yeah, and then at the center, of course, you got Shaquille O'Neal. But you also have Kareem. You've got Hakeem. You've got. So many, just Moses, Moses Malone. Malone. I mean, you can even go way back. Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell, which I, yeah. mean, I don't know if they translate to today, but also we can't, <laughs> we can't not talk about them. You, you couldn't put Jokic in in the sixties, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying he's not physical enough. He's not physical <laughs> enough. That's a conversation for another day. Carl Malone and Moses Malone, I mean, two of the best uh, non-siblings that have, you know, I mean, you could think that they were siblings for sure, but I look around the league right now and I look at like Robin and Brooke Lopez and, you know, I want to have that same feeling with Moses Malone and Carl Malone, but I just can't. It feels like the NBA robbed us of that. Marshawn Brooks and Dylan Brooks. (laughs) I mean. (laughs) Hey, Dylan Brooks looked like a killer these playoffs. He did. I I think if he can get consistent, he will be that jaw, a jaw Brooks backcourt. tremendous mm. addition to. And mm. Yeah, I, we're talking top five backcourt, and Dylan Brooks can find find some consistency. He looked consistent this series. That's something we can talk about here in a little bit, though. Yeah, but he's got to yeah. find it over the season. It can't just be one playoff series. It's got to be two, three playoff series and a full season of consistency for for us to say that. Speaking of backcourts, though. These NBA playoffs, I mean, they've been being – there's some major storylines going with these backcourts. Um, Absolutely. And across all different teams and positions. But, I mean, I think, first off, Ben, I say congratulations at the start for getting married. But also congratulations to your Phoenix Suns mm. for defeating the Lakers. And Chris Paul and I, Devin Booker, that's a backcourt. Yeah, you want to talk about a current top five backcourt. I mean, they've got to be they've got to be top almost three just because of the talent level of of, of not only the talent level but know also what Booker the leadership brings. of Chris Paul and the leadership role that Devin Booker has stepped into this season. Right, exactly, and that's what I'm saying. First of all, if if you had predicted that Devin Booker would perform that well in the playoffs, first of all, you're a liar. You did not predict it. Uh, second of all, I mean. You know what Devin Booker's bringing to this table. He is a scoring machine. He is a superstar. Uh, and what Chris Paul does on the court is nobody in the NBA does it. I don't think there's a guy, a single guy in the NBA that can, that makes the impact that Chris Paul makes on a team. Um, and I don't think that's I don't think that's a controversial statement no, either. I don't think there's a guy a in the NBA that, that brings the playoffs last year. He made the Thunder a playoff team, and then. He came to Phoenix where they were, I mean, they were a lottery team last year. Probably not expected to do as well as they did this season. They were going to be fighting really, for a playoff spot at the beginning of the season. Really, we were, we even when we got Chris Paul, we were projected, oh, maybe they're fighting for a 6, 7, 8 seed. You know, and to grab the second best record, not just in the West, but in the mm. NBA, um... And, f- and almost had the best record in the NBA. I think we missed it by one game to the Jazz, you know? So, and what, nobody... What I think sets Chris Paul apart, too, with his leadership is, I don't know if you noticed or not, uh, during 
game five, I want to say, when campaign went off in the first half and the second half didn't do much. Chris Paul re-injured his shoulder, had to sit down. But campaign got off, sat on the bench, and he was just angry. And Chris Paul took him over and started explaining to him. And you can see him, like, point to the scoreboard. They had this huge lead and, like, coaching him up. But it wasn't an in-your-face type of a way. Like, there have been leaders in the NBA that everyone's remarked, oh, they were incredible. Kobe, MJ, LeBron. Like, these people who get in your face and expect this level of excellence forcefully, kind of. But that's never been Chris Paul's kind of way. Chris Paul is much more of a coach as he goes through. And I think that that's a really special side of him that I believe, I fully believe we'll see head coach Chris Paul for a team one of these days. I would say that LeBron James does it passive aggressively and not in your face Mm. aggressively, but that's beside the We've got to see Uh, that a little bit more with this last series. I think watching, watching him in this series, I was really surprised by how poor of a sportsman he was in that series i mean it it's it's like he expected to be handed the victories almost you know uh i understand injury but we don't talk about lebron being injured until he loses it's like he can't lose until he's injured and all of a sudden we're talking about the injury and i'll tell you right now when i saw him taken off the backboard alley-oop for caruso his ankle looked fine his, he got elevation. His head was above the rim. I'm like, eh, his ankle looks pretty okay there. Um, but, you know, it's it's one of those things. And walking off the court uh, with five minutes left. Uh, walking off the court before you shake hands with the other team in yeah. game six. Uh, in game three, you win the game by ten points. And you're absolutely clowning the Suns. You know, this young up-and-coming team with no playoff experience. And, and you're acting, you know... Like, you're so much better than them. Like, I mean, it was it was one of those things, and I said, man, this guy is – he just expects to be yeah. handed this. I mean, it really, really changed my opinion of LeBron in that watching him in that series. I think finally getting to play him in the playoffs, uh, I watched him for the first time, and I said, man, I get why people don't like him. That's incredibly valid. Um, and I think some people can, like – mistake these words so let me just say this before i say it i say this coming from a perspective of like i have totally changed like lebron's definitely not my number one all time that was more of a joke for marston but uh like watching this lakers team this might have been one of the worst teams like a cohesive unit that i've ever seen on a basketball court um and like some people say that uh, that take is like a uh, a take of saying, oh, you're just trying to cop LeBron out, like he's fine, like uh, he has so much talent around him. But like that's coming from a perspective of like just watching basketball, wanting Phoenix to win the series coming into it, um, which is weird that Phoenix was the underdog at his number two seed. Uh, but yeah. like that Lakers team, they they look awful. They look like they didn't know each other going into the season, into the series, like, they, they didn't play team basketball, they, they were playing basketball, like, they had never met each other, like, they didn't care about each other, it was just, like, there's a ton of talent, there's a ton of talent on that team, but they, they couldn't play basketball together to save their lives, they looked awful out there, they looked lost. With you guys watching Dennis Schroeder, maybe I'm looking maybe for some sort of – was he this inconsistent last year no. with OKC? I didn't was, see it. He was incredible with OKC. 
Um, there's been a massive drop off, especially at the end of this season with Dennis Schroeder. I just want to say could, real quick. Some could say the LeBron effect. Anyways, go ahead, Marshall. I want to say real quick. We've been going for a little bit here, and I have not said one word of LeBron slander on this uh, podcast. And so I just want everyone to know that I am a LeBron hater, but I also keep it real. And in this moment, I hear you two keeping it real too, and I'm just going to keep it real. LeBron James, I do believe, some people are asking the question, does this hurt his legacy? I don't think this season does, but if he acts this way again next season... I think it will. At the end of his career, I think people will look back at LeBron James and say, like, more than just the LeBron haters. I think it'll be a thing of when it got late in his career, he became so frustrated and irritable. He became not fun to watch anymore. Because, I mean, you can't complain at the refs that much. And then it transfers over to the rest of his team, too. I mean, Alex Caruso argues with the refs throughout the entire game now. And so it's just... It's, he has gone in and in two years, three years, I guess, of him being in L.A., he's turned that culture now into, at one point they were champions, but now they look like a bunch of, I'm just going to say it, crybabies. The whole series when it wasn't going how many way. times? How many times in that series did you watch LeBron walk back on defense? It had Constantly. to have happened five or six Ooh. times where he just walked back on defense. He did it in the elimination game twice. The game was not over, no matter what you say. It was maybe, I think it was 12 points with three minutes left. I've seen weirder things happen in the NBA. You can definitely come back 12 with three minutes left. You absolutely can. And how many times did he walk back on defense? He just, in an elimination game. And you would have never seen Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant do something like that. And that's where I draw the line with LeBron James is saying he's not the competitor they were, and so he's not going to be the kind of of level of player that they were. It's just not going to happen. Controversial statement here. Uh, Give me Kobe and Michael over LeBron. Absolutely. Yeah. I think as he's nearing the end of his career, we're really starting to be able to make these kind of conclusions about him we're really being able to make these kind of statements about him we're able to reflect on his legacy and i i i just think at this point in his career give me kobe and michael over lebron maybe even magic mm. maybe that's even where it magic. Starts getting controversial because even me i recognize lebron can do so much on the court not saying that magic couldn't obviously he could but i think the, the that's where i think there's a great which way comparison at this point in LeBron's career, especially? Yeah, but. I mean, especially after watching him in this playoff series. It's only his first first round exit, um, which is impressive, being fourteen and one in the first round. Um, but he's he is hurting his legacy so much. Yeah. How many of those fourteen series round one wins did he actually go and win the title? He may not have. Yeah. He may not have been eliminated in the first round, but he got eliminated in the second or the finals or the conference finals. Coming out of that East, too. How many times was that first round against a team with a losing record overall on the mm. season? Mm. How many times did he go up against a team that? I mean, to me, the NBA has always seemed a little funny, just based off of the fact that you can have a losing record, especially out of the East. You can have a losing record and be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. We've seen in the East teams with losing records make it up to like a seven maybe a six seed 
Like... Well, and I always use this as reference in the 13-14 uh, season, I think. Uh, it's either 13-14 or 14-15. I don't, I don't quite remember. I think it's 13-14. Um, the Suns win 44... No, 48 games. Mm-hmm. They won 48 yep. games and missed the playoffs in the West. If they were in the is- East... They're a four seed. It's yeah. unbelievable. And and I always say if if the Suns had made the playoffs that year, maybe Bledsoe you know doesn't make a stink that off season about you know uh, you know going or staying. You know maybe we don't yeah. make the move for Isaiah Thomas. Maybe we don't. Maybe Lamarcus Aldridge chooses to go to the Suns and not San Antonio. You know it's a lot yeah. of things like that. And and. That season really affected the Suns for the next couple seasons because we, we went out and signed Isaiah Thomas because we didn't think Bledsoe was coming back. We had to make all Ooh. these sorts of moves based on missing the playoffs that year when we won 48 games. And, ridiculous. Yeah, and I think that that's got to be taken into account when putting together LeBron's legacy. I mean, not trying to take it away from him. He's a great player, always has been. But to compare them against the others, you got to take it all into account, and that's something to look at. Um, another player whose legacy uh, we're going to be starting to look at, and it may make a big shift moving forward, uh, Portland got kicked out of the playoffs again. Uh-huh. Um, I believe this is the fourth time in the last five times that they've been in the playoffs, and they've exited out in the first round. Um so I, I just want to see Damian Lillard succeed. I mean, the I from someone that's been eliminated by him uh, with one of the most iconic game-winning shots of all time, right in Paul George's face. Mm-hmm. Uh, just want to see the guy win. Uh, he is one of the most underappreciated superstars of our generation, and I don't know. I got really upset the other day watching uh, Skip and Shannon talk about. Uh, the Trailblazers in their elimination game and Skip, a guy that like maybe averaged two points a game in high school, uh, he gave Damian Lillard an F on their last game uh, because of like, I don't know, and he was just Dame was so fatigued because of all that he's done this series. He played like 52 minutes in <laughs> that double overtime game where they barely lost and then Skip had the audacity to say, yeah, he's deserving of an F because he didn't carry his team. And it's like, well, yeah, uh, he <laughs> he's carried his team the whole series, and Portland just doesn't surround him with people to help him win. I don't know. It's right? Just, it's, a player can only do so much. Damian Lillard feels like we all were in college together, and we all uh, – I've been thinking about this throughout the week – we were all in college together. I think we probably did a group project together at some point or another. It feels like Damian Lillard is the guy who his class was picking groups. The professor let them pick their own groups, all these things, and they all chose their partners. feels like Damian Lillard was absent from class that day, and so he got assigned to a team. And now he just to live with what he has. I mean, you look around at the different groups, you got... The, the super smart kids over here, the super popular kids over here, maybe it's the the Nets or the the Suns who play their game really fundamentally sound or the Nuggets. Like, you have these teams and these groups work together because they got to pick their team. It just feels... Portland, it feels like with Damian Lillard, he's done everything that he needs to do 
to be able to be at a level of winning a championship. It doesn't matter how hard he works or how much he carries his team. They're going to they're gonna fall short. Like, they're going to get a C. They're going to for sure pass. But they're mostly going to pass because of the work that he's doing. And anything that they do, I mean, it's him from there. So I just look at it and I say, I always hear, oh, man, if this guy just really puts in the work on the offseason, he can take that next level jump. And, like, look at the ways that these superstars have carried their teams, all these things. Damian Lillard has done everything to do that. And it hasn't worked out. And so my question is just, where do you go from here? I, I, and I have for years been a CJ McCollum doubter. Um, I don't get his value on that Portland team, mainly because he's a ball dominant guard. Um, and he needs the ball to be successful. And I struggle with his fit next to Damian Lillard. I feel like he'd be more successful on a team where he can handle the ball. Uh, and be the number one option. Uh, I think he could be an all-star in the East. Um, but with, I just, in 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 the playoffs, name the last good playoff game C.J. McCollum had. It wasn't in this year. wasn't this year. Probably some obscure one a couple of years ago where he had one game that he just burst onto the scene. Do you think that um, he, but, do you remember the conference finals that, that, Portland played in back-to-back? Yeah, he's a little disappearing man. I'm just saying I doubt his value on this Portland team. And then what do they do? They surround them with with people, role players. Like LeBron and AD are are surrounded by role players, Mm -hmm. but they're LeBron and AD. So last year they were able to make it work. You surround Damian Lillard and McCollum with with role players? I'm sorry, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. Here's the thing about this Lakers team, and again, just jumping back, I don't know why, but um, last year their role players were a smart Dwight Howard, who <clears throat> former Defensive Player of the Year. He was that guy for his team for the longest time. Uh, you got Rondo running the point, just a phenomenal talent, uh, generational passer. Play- playoff um, Rondo. Playoff, playoff Rondo, Rondo is a different breed. He's. You could argue that he is one of the reasons why the Clippers haven't just absolutely fallen apart, just because of his presence and his mentorship. Um, and I mean, like several other key pieces, Danny Green, his defensive impact. Although he wasn't hitting his shots on the offensive side of the ball, his defensive impact was so necessary. Um, Javale McGee, just an athletic freak of nature. Um, this year, and they have they have no, them. They have no rim protection this year. They have no rim protection. When Howard you and surround McGee them with left, people who have like no playoff experience except for Marcus All, who is just I mean, like, yeah, he has playoff experience, he has a championship, but like <laughs> how much has he really done for his teams up to recent memory? And was he ever really like was he the leader for those Grizzlies teams that were just nasty? No, it was you. You would give that role to Zach Randolph, or you'd give that to Mike Conley. Uh, those guys were really running the team. Gasol was a defensive player of the year, and like he made that impact. But like he wasn't, he wasn't the guy in Memphis. Um, Andre Drummond has always been great in the regular season, but no postseason experience. Um, so, and can and I say about Drummond, guard, he is yeah. extremely underrated, extremely overrated, because he yeah. puts up a lot of stats. Because he's a seven footer that can leap. And he knows good yep. positioning. But 
The dude can't make a bucket past five feet. He can't make a free throw to save his life. And his yeah. defensive positioning and is awful. Just real quick, too. First off, I think going back to what you said about Skip Bayless, that's ridiculous um, for so many reasons. <laughs> that, that F rating. But uh, you were talking about the t- players that they had last year that they don't have this year and how the playoff experience makes a difference and all these things. Let's just go through that list again real quick. Dwight Howard, Philadelphia, they're in the second round. Danny Green's there with him. They're in the second round. Um, you look at Rajon Ron with the Clippers. They're going, I mean, today, as we're recording this, they're about to tip off for a second, or for a game seven, potentially to go to the second round of the playoffs. Like, you start looking at these players on this team, and you say, well, where do they end up? Uh, JaVale McGee with Denver. They're in the second round. So these players that the Lakers cut to try to get better over the offseason, they're moving forward in the playoffs, and the Lakers are left behind. And so I think it says a lot about this Lakers organization and uh, Rob Palenka and LeBron James, who everyone was singing their praises uh, last year in the bubble. Now this year it's like, ah, did they make the right move? Did they make moves that ended up actually hurting them more than it helped them? So I think that that's just an interesting thing to see. Maybe those players and the playoff experience that they had contributed a lot more than what the Lakers even realized. And you can make the argument, shortest offseason of all time for Miami and uh, the Lakers as well. Um, but whenever you have that much of a turnover on your roster, on an NBA roster, you can have that turnover on your NFL roster and you can be fine because you have 33 guys on that roster and you've got 22 players that are going to be consistently playing, uh, 24 if you include punter and kicker. So it's a lot easier to switch that around, um, whereas playoff teams in the NBA you have eight rotational guys and whenever you move on from four of those guys that were in your rotation um, it's not going to mesh well we see that with uh, the Lakers this season they've been trying to figure out who their big man is between Montrez Harrell Andre Drummond and Marc Gasol Um, they just have not been able to piece that together as well Um, AD and LeBron were fatigued from that short offseason but also they're two of the top 10 players in the NBA right now. Um, and so, like, that is expected of them. They're expected to always be fatigued, always perform. Um, <clears throat> and they couldn't make it work with this team that they they personally built themselves. Um, like, they chose to bring in guys like Schroeder, guys like Drummond. They wanted him to sign on the minimum. Like, they built this team, and this team was supposed to be much better than last year, and... It clearly wasn't like they they looked like they didn't know what they were doing on the court so many times they just got out coached outplayed outsmarted consistently by the Phoenix in this series and uh, yeah this again this Lakers team was just not anything to write home about in my opinion all right uh, so as as of recording uh, we just missed um Philadelphia and Atlanta's game ending. Uh, so what did y'all think about Atlanta taking game one against Philly? I think that Trey Young's villain origin story is blooming right in front of our eyes. I'm looking forward to Atlanta winning in five and Trey mm. Young taking a bow on that 76ers logo. Well, let me say this. You may say Trey Young can't be the villain because I like him too much. Mm. Well, wait until he plays your team in the playoffs. You won't like him anymore. 
Because, um, like, for me right now, as an OKC fan, I have nothing wrong with Trey Young. I think it's great. If he was playing OKC in a game seven, I, I, I think I'd be tired of him. I love love guys like Trey Young. It's the reason I grew to love Russell Westbrook. It's the reason I grew to love guys that just talk, <laughs> you know, talk the talk, but also I love Chris Paul. Chris Paul is the pettiest man in the NFL. Two sport athlete. Hold on. Hold on. Pettiest man in the pettiest man in the NBA. Although I do think he'd be a great quarterback. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um I love guys like that. I abs- It makes the NBA more interesting. You don't love them when they play your team, mm-hmm. but when they're playing somebody else, you love them because they makes the sport more interesting. Uh, that being said, give me Philly in seven. Uh, I think Atlanta is going to sneak a couple, uh, get three games on Trey Young's back. Um, but I think ultimately Philly's experience in the playoffs, I think ultimately Philly... Uh, it's just too big, and they're going to wear them out. I, I'd say give me Philly in six or seven. Yeah, I have a hard time not also taking Philly just because of how this game ended. I mean, the Hawks were blowing out the Sixers most of the game and it ended up being just a four-point game at the end of it because uh, Philly pounced on them in the fourth, uh, 41-29 in the fourth quarter. And as great as Trey Young was, and because his team won, he'll be the story of the game, but Joel Embiid... First game back after a partially Which torn a, meniscus, mm, thirty-nine points. A dangerous injury. He put up, and the fact that he's still able to come in and drop it is. We'll, we'll give him the forty piece. We'll say that he had a forty piece because he just needed one more point. Um, but once again, Ben Simmons is not proving valuable in the three for ten from the free throw line, five turnovers. Uh, and I understand he's the point guard. He's got the, but you got to pick. Like, yeah, he went seven of seven from the field with ten assists. Great with four steals and a block. Great, dude had five turnovers and went three yeah. of ten from the line. I mean, if this game was closer, all Atlanta has to do is foul Ben Simmons. Is this generation's hack shot. He can't make yeah. his free throws. Uh, well, and I mean. Looking at plus minuses even for the game, Simmons had the lowest out of any of the starters at just plus four. Now, granted, they got blown out, or they were getting blown out for most of the game, but all of the starters were in plus uh, territory on points, and Embiid was plus 13, Seth Curry was plus 16. So Simmons being only plus four, you kind of look at it and say, yeah, I mean, if you only shoot 30% from the line and you have five turnovers and four personal fouls, that'll... That'll get you plus four. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, 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 just, I think it really doesn't matter, to be honest. I don't think uh, anyone is mm. going to beat the Nets. Um, just out of control. One of Nets they Bucks, didn't have Harden, was, and they still looked like the best team in it was. They didn't have Harden. Um, which is scary. Can I just say, though, I think game two will look a little different. I still think the Nets win the series. I think game two will, if Harden doesn't come back, Especially, I think I picked the Bucks in Game Two, uh, just because I think that Brooklyn was ready to play without one of their three stars. Mm-hmm. They haven't played with all of their three stars more than twenty games all season. They've even that many, and so they were okay to make adjustments. I think Milwaukee going into it was ready to play against their three stars, 
And so they weren't ready for somebody like Blake Griffin to go off. Um, and I'm not saying they were ready, but they were planning on playing against James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. So Blake Griffin got free, and we didn't game plan for Blake Griffin this way. Mm. And so now this next game, I think give Budenholzer and give this team a couple days Maybe. to reframe things. I think it could look a little different in game two. Maybe an unpopular opinion. Uh, give me the Nets in four. Mm. I, I could see a clean sweep from Brooklyn. Uh, but we talked about it. Budenholzer, his teams tend to just not show up in the playoffs. Um, and honestly, genuinely surprised that they <laughs> did so well in round one, even though it was against Miami, uh, who you can make the argument they were a miraculous bubble team. Um, but I I just don't trust Budenholzer. I don't trust Milwaukee. Um, I don't know if I trust... Giannis in the playoffs, given his uh, resume thus far. Um, and so I I don't think it's as unpopular as you think, Ben. I think Milwaukee may stay, steal a game at home, but that's a strong maybe. Um, I, I could see it being just a four-game series. Brooklyn easily walks out. Especially based on game one. Listen, I, before the series happened, I think that I was thinking – maybe six, I watched game one and I said, uh-oh, mm. this could get ugly. Mm. I mean, I, if I'm honest, if Harden plays in another game, uh, by the, I, I think there could be one of these games that's going to be a 40-point mm. blowout. I think Brooklyn could blow Milwaukee out by 40 in one of these games. I, and I just, I don't know who's going to, I don't think there's anyone who can beat Brooklyn this year. I'm I just genuinely being honest. Their offensive firepower is incredible. I mean, it is insane. Without Harden. And they just, and, and Milwaukee had no answers for him. And that's, I mean, it's the, I can't argue with it. Because even though I picked the Bucks, I can't say, no, there's no way because of this, this, and this. No, it's literally just, I think... You know, I think Milwaukee's going to get... I have to believe they're going to get at least one. But at the same time, if you were to tell me, hey, Brooklyn swept them all and won by 20 points on each of those games, I'd say, oh, yeah, I could believe that. Like, because that's how... That's how good they are as a team, just as an offense. Um, And maybe not even from a... I mean, to me, it's just the best way to describe them, even above offensive efficiency, above quality of offense I guess is just explosive Mm. like one game they can just absolutely overwhelm you Um, and so there's not which is why I think if they do lose this season it'll be in the finals Mm -hmm. because that's in the end of the playoffs I mean maybe you're you're looking at maybe some fatigue maybe I mean Kevin Durant didn't play all of last season you know Um, and and Kyrie didn't play most of last season and and Harden tends to disappear in big games. So, uh, you know, I, I'd be curious to see how they do. I think that they'll get in the finals, no issue. I really do. I think that um, there's really – I think Philadelphia could pose some threats because Philadelphia is so big. Um, and they have they have no answer for Joel Embiid. They will have no answer for Joel Embiid. But here's the thing. What answer do the Sixers have for Irving, Harden, mm. and Durant? Like, I mean, good l- – what do you even do? Like, there's nothing you can no. do. <laughs> what makes it even more ridiculous is that they're still the scariest team in basketball, and they're doing it all without 
their guy that was going to be a sixth man of the year candidate in Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, hmm. That's absurd. Um, they, the, the Nets front office, they they did what the Lakers thought they were doing. Um, uh-huh. The Nets succeeded. Um, they got an A on the assignment. Uh, they they brought in the veterans that they needed to. Um, their rotation um, is looking great. They found some absolute gems in Bruce Brown. Uh, that guy is one of the more underappreciated guys in basketball right now. He's not talked about at all. Um, he's not. But he's not playing right now. But yeah. Jeff Green. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Harris is. You could say. I, I mean, you you could say he's a top five three point shooter in the NBA, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree, um, especially with the scope of things right now. Uh, I mean, Blake Griffin uh, feeling young again. He's rejuvenated. Um, uh, well, he he absolutely flees yeah. Detroit, and I will hear no opinion that stays. Otherwise. <laughs> I, he, he, I don't I don't think that man gave gave a quarter of what he was worth. He, to he looked like he was uh, on his way out. He looked like he. He looked like he was in his 40s, a uh, guy that you just see at the uh, rec center that's like, oh, back in my day. And now here he is. He's he's jumping out the gym again. He's uh, He is a veteran leader on that team, and he's super important for them. Uh, even a guy like DeAndre Jordan, I do think that they made a mistake in moving on from Jarrett Allen. Um, Jarrett Allen could have been yes. huge for them. Uh, he was that rim protector that they needed, that they're missing now. Um, but, but I, I still believe that Brooklyn might be the best team that we've seen in a while. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe even better than some of those Golden State teams that Durant was a part of. Um, it's it's unreal how built this team is. Um, it's especially <laughs> if. If LaMarcus Aldridge's health issues hadn't become <laughs> I mean, my word. That guy was an all-star two, three years ago. Um, and he's still one of the best, better leaders. I mean, you, you got to think, he's put. He's probably only going to play 20 minutes a game, and he's putting up 10 points, of probably going perfect from the field, probably mm. not missing, you know. And he's a good defender. I mean, if LaMarcus hadn't had health issues, that team would have been even more ridiculous bench depth wise. One of these games in the playoffs, we're gonna hear a game where Demarcus Cousins has an incredible night. Like, whatever it is, I'm gonna make a prediction. Demarcus Cousins with the no, sorry, I'm totally off track. Demarcus Cousins is with the Clippers. My mistake. My mistake. Take it back. I still think you could be yeah, right. Yeah. This. Demarcus Cousins For showing up reason. out of nowhere tonight. Uh, game seven for the Clippers. <laughs> My brain got all mixed up with the Clippers uh, and what we're talking about too, because I'm looking at that right in front of me because that game's happening right now. Um, Demarcus Cousins, I do think, is going to have one night. Uh, sometimes in this play, sometime in the playoffs, where we say, "Man, what a night he had!" Uh, but I don't think it's going to be today's game. But today's game, they are in Game Seven right now against the Mavericks. Uh, Predictions on that. We're in the first quarter. I'll go ahead and give you the update on it. Still in the first quarter, midway through. Clippers up by two. 
actually no up by one, 21 to 20. Mm -hmm. All right. Go ahead, then. Go ahead, Joe. Okay. Uh, Give me the Clippers. Uh, I think that as much as we like to clown him, I think that Kawhi is very talented. I think that he will figure out how to pull it off. I mean, we forget that two years ago this man single-handedly put that Toronto team through the finals. I mean, he was a one-man literal well, cyborg. That iconic picture, um, uh, collage of pictures where he made he made Joel Embiid, he made Giannis Antetokounmpo, and he made Steph Curry all cry in the same playoff run. I mean... The man is insane. I mean, and, and I genuinely think that he'll push them through Game 7. Uh, I think Luka is a generational talented talent, but they need some more help, and I think that's what's going to get them in Game 7. Uh, who knew that Playoff P actually meant Playoff Porzingis? <laughs> oh, uh, maybe the worst max contract player of all time. I saw... And I would like to say, I'm sorry I just yelled, but I would like to say I called it too. I watched his trade coming off that ACL injury to the Mavs, and they handed him a max contract, and I said, you're handing a max contract to a seven foot three, 240-pounder with an ACL tear? Good luck! Oh, man. He's going to end up with the Wizards, with Russ, and when they when Bradley Beal moves out, I can just feel it. Something's going to happen. Oh, you think, gonna that, be a move. you think Beal will be dealt for Porzingis then? <laughs> I don't know if he'll be dealt. I mean, his contract's up, but I think that's who the... I think Dallas is going to look to move on, and I think Washington's going to be reaching for somebody to play with Westbrook, and they're going to end up with Porzingis, and he's going to get stuck there. That's... That's my biggest fear right now in the NBA. Uh, Russ and Porzingis make a run at the no. title? Could you imagine? No. He needs a great player with him. Porzingis is not that. <laughs> All that being said, um, I think that Luka Magic is going to show up in the fourth quarter. I think the Mavericks are going to win this series. Mm. Uh, no one, No one's won a game at home in this series. And so I think that the Mavericks close it out on the Clippers' court. I'd love to see it. I, I want to see young, new faces continue to progress in the playoffs. And I think part of that is I if Luka can pull that off, it starts off part, his legacy early. I, I know a lot of people are saying that he's, the there's reason, no way he's 22. He's actually like 28, and he just lied whenever he came over to the States. But... Uh, if you're starting off your career 22, beating a team like the Clippers that's that's built to contend with the Lakers or the uh, Nets, like they are they are built to be those a team that can contend with them. Uh, if Luca can move on to the second round, uh, I think that's incredibly impressive, especially with the team that he has around him because th- they have a lot of good players. They have no great players around him. Um, so, give me the Mavs. I'll be the one to say it. Uh, part of the reason I am rooting for the Clippers, uh, because if the Clippers win, all four teams left in the Western Conference have not won a title. Mm. And I think it would be fascinating if, if the last four teams in the NBA were teams that have not won a title. And I count the Hawks last won a title in 1958. Mm. So I'd think I'd think it'd be fantastic if we had the Hawks, 
Nets, and then anybody from the Western Conference because they all had – I mean, personally, the Suns would be great, but, you know. Um, but, like, I think it would be great to have four teams that haven't won it. I don't really count the Hawks. Nobody – for 1958, uh, anybody, you know, under 50 doesn't remember that. So, you know, um, I, I think it would be great to have a Hawks-Nets – and then anybody from the Western Conference and, and have a bunch of teams who haven't won a title in, in ever or in the last 60 years competing. I think that'd be really interesting. I mean, you all know who my pick is. I picked them to go to the finals. I got a ride with them one more game. Uh, I totally didn't believe in them anymore uh, when they were down 2-0. But I got to take the Clippers. Um, and I think that it will come down to... I think, I mean, we're already seeing, I'm just looking at the score right now, we're seeing a battle break out between Luka Doncic and uh, Kawhi Leonard in this game. Both stars are showing up. They're both 4 for 5 from the floor uh, to start the game. Paul George is 0 for 2, hey, baby! Playoff P. Uh, it's a battle for who can who can prove that they're the true playoff P. Or pandemic P, sorry. Okay, um, now here's, yeah. here's something. Here's something that we could talk about right quick. Because we didn't touch it as much as I would have liked to touch it earlier. Um, Damian Lillard. Do we do we need to see Portland make a move to bring someone in for him? Or do we need to see yes. Damian Lillard force his way out to a team like Philadelphia where no. he can take Ben Simmons' spot? To a team like the Clippers where he can take Paul George's spot? Team up with someone that's consistently been great in the playoffs. Like, could you imagine Damian Lillard and Kawhi Leonard next to each other? Could you imagine Damian Lillard and Joel Embiid next to each other? Uh, it would be insane. Um, so what are you guys' take on Damian Lillard's situation? I think Portland, uh, shockingly, it's very rare for teams to do I think Portland has been very loyal to Damian That's also Lillard. valid. I think they've done a lot of things. I think they've done a lot of things for Damian Lillard specifically. I think they've really tried to put players around that would thrive around Damian Lillard. I think that they've really tried to do whatever it took to make Lillard happy. And they've been really loyal to him. He loved Terry Stotts. He kept Terry Stotts around. You know, uh, I would love to see a little more loyalty in the NBA. And call me biased because we've got the sons of got Devin Booker right now, and I would like to keep Devin Booker for his career. I think it would be awesome. Um, the Suns haven't had a career guy uh, pretty much since Alvin Adams in the 1970s. Mm. Uh, most of our superstars have come from other teams. Uh, so I'd love to see a guy that we draft become our supers. Maybe Walter Davis, I think, also in the 70s, 80s. Um, so call me a little bit biased, but I would love to see a little more loyalty. We haven't had a guy like Kobe um, since Kobe, you know, since Dirk and Kobe, you know, we haven't had, I would love to see Lillard be that guy. Um, so I would love to see Portland make a move. I think that they can get some size around him, some really decent size. Uh, and again, I'm just going to say it and it's, I would love to see them trade the farm for De'Aaron Fox. I really would. I would love to see a Lillard Fox backcourt. I, I think that would be absolutely phenomenal basketball to watch. Super exciting. Um, that would be one of the better backcourt duos in the NBA. We've seen Kyrie succeed. Uh, best. You, you, you're making the early prediction that that would be the best backcourt in the NBA. Uh, maybe right there with Kawhi, with Kyrie mm-hmm. and Harden. I think that's tough to beat. But 
who's better than Fox and, and, and Lillard? I mean, whoo! Yeah. I mean, Lillard McCollum is top five solely based on Lillard, essentially. Uh, I, mean, so, I, mean, I would say they're top ten because of the <laughs> the handicap that McCollum puts on there. But, um, but yeah. Um, and we've seen Kyrie take that successful step to the two-guard position. I think that Damian Lillard will also take a successful step to the two-guard position. We watched Fox play a lot of two-guard with Tyrese Halliburton. We did also see that. So either one of them, it's interchangeable. I think yeah. Fox would be great. I think Portland needs a big man who's going to take him to that next gear. Um, and so if I had to make a pick, I would say go and get Carl Anthony Towns. I would agree. Carl um, Anthony Towns is someone that I wish we could see in the playoffs. Um, we've never gotten the chance to see him in the playoffs. And... Um, yes, you know he made the playoffs one year. With the Jimmy uh, Butler, yeah, I mean solely because of Jimmy Butler. Um, but yeah, I forget about that year. That was a really random year. Um, I, I think Cat is what Devin Booker was a few years back. If that makes he puts up really nice looking stats. Um. I would like to see how it translates. I don't think he has the same killer instinct that Devin Booker has. Um, I think D'Lo has been overrated, and I think people realized that last year and this year. Like, oh, this guy is not as good as we thought he was. The only really guy I believe on that Timberwolves team is Anthony Edwards. But that's beside the point. We're talking about Portland. Yes, I, I think Anthony Edwards... That would be one of the only reasons why I wouldn't want to see Cat leave uh, Minnesota, is because we we uh, we're gonna be excited to see Anthony Edwards take that next step. Um, last year's draft class is looking like it's gonna be special already. Um, don't want to say it's twenty eighteen level yet, but uh, excited to see guys like Lamelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton. Um, continue to make. I don't like. I don't like talking about Tyrese Halliburton. It makes me sad. <laughs> oh, you wanna you wanna explain why, Ben? It's a guy named Jalen Smith. Um, <laughs> played all of twenty minutes this year, uh, and it wasn't a pretty twenty minutes. <laughs> and uh, remind me, was uh, was Jalen Smith maybe uh, taken before? <laughs> maybe taken before Tyrese Halliburton. Maybe, maybe a pick or yeah. two. Yeah. Um, I mean, OKC uh, was one pick away from Devin Booker, so I, I can't say that I'm too heartbroken for you, because. Uh, and now we got both yeah. of those guys. We got yeah. Payne. We got the guy you picked. You got the guard that we picked. <laughs> Who's who is now, by the way, showing out, and I think next year could be a real contender for that six man of the year. If they are able to That's keep. A good they're able to take uh, Tover Paul and give him that three-year deal that he wants, uh, mm-hmm. then campaign becomes a legitimate six-man-of-the-year candidate because uh, yep. he does have a killer instinct. Like, watching him, he that, that man is going for everyone's throats. Whenever he subs into the game, mm-hmm. he is ready to roll, and he, is, he knows his, his role, and he plays it incredibly well. Um, he does remind me of Shooter in OKC. Um, because Schroeder is just 
that type of player that can come in off the bench and he has that impact um, that not a lot of guys can have coming off the bench, like a Lou Will, um, like Jamal Crawford, um, one of those prolific guards coming off the bench. I think that Cam Bain can take that step. I don't think that's absurd in saying either. Um, because, I mean, he has, he has the talent. He's had the talent since OKC took him with the 14th pick. Um, he, he's had that talent. And now he's being developed and he is being <laughs> – he's able to play behind one of the greatest point guards of all time. Um, so, and so, yeah. What were you saying? Bef- bef- before we move on, um, let's, let's do quick predictions for, for, the, for the semifinals. Mm. Um, Denver and, Brook- and Phoenix – uh, just a quick one sentence, who you got and why. Denver Phoenix, I'm taking Phoenix. Um, and I think I'm taking Phoenix because of the leadership of Chris Paul. And I think that's what's going to make the difference. I think obviously Okich is the MVP, but Chris Paul's leadership will put it over the edge. It'll be a close series, and I think that's what's going to do it. I think that Phoenix has those advantages that Denver is now lacking. Um, Jamal Murray's injury again it's horrible and I wish it hadn't happened but it did um, and so now um, Denver is a deep team they have so much talent they they built one of the deepest rosters in the NBA um, so they were able to continue to play well without a star like Jamal Murray but um, Aiton can hold his own or at least try to against Jokic um, Devin Booker is playing out of his mind um, I I think if he continues on this tear, that it'll be a Phoenix in five. I say in six. Phoenix in six. Um, and I, yeah, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Phoenix in six. Um, and yeah, again, probably a biased pick, but at the same time, Portland has a 29th defense in the NBA. Phoenix mm-hmm. has the seventh. Uh. I'd like to see what this Denver teams would do when somebody applies a little defense. I really think that's what was lacking in that Portland series. They couldn't clamp down. Uh, they had no answers for Jokic, no answers for MPJ. Um, we have answers. Yep. Uh, we've got Mikhail Bridges, and we've got DA, and we've got, we got Jay Crowder. We got Tory Craig coming. Up. We got Jay Crowder. We got Chris Paul, who is a great defender. Mm-hmm. I mean. Uh, Monty Morris won't be going for 25 points a game yeah. in this series. I'll tell you that right now. Um, you know, so I, I am very uh, interested to, to see the series. I think it'll be a fun series, but I, I think I'll take Phoenix in six. And then um, the other series we haven't talked about is the to be decided against Utah. Um, real quick, I would say Clippers in seven. Uh, and uh, mm. Jazz and six if the Mavs. I play. say Clippers and six. Uh, Dallas in five. Oh, honestly, yeah. and I know it's a hot take, but I just think that it comes down to at that point. I mean, we're gonna see. I think that if Luca can get out of round one, he's gonna be so so fired up. Um, I think it's gonna be unbelievable next level, and that's something that Devin Booker, uh, not Devin Booker, sorry. Uh, Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell, sorry. Donovan Mitchell can do on a scoring level, but he can't do everything that Luka can do. Um, and I think that's going to be the difference maker. I think that they figure out enough on the offensive side, Dallas does, and then Luka just puts him over the top. That's going to be a shootout if it's Dallas and Utah. Uh, but I say Clippers in six, 
Um, or Dallas in five. I say Utah in six either way. Um, I I think that Utah, their team basketball, the way that they rotate the ball, um, seeing their games all season, um, Utah's fan base is whack, but their team is not. Um, and I think that uh, they rival the Suns in that uh, in that way of playing team basketball, having a prolific shooting guard that they are able to run through. And their big advantage is that they have a defensive player of the year locking down the five. Um, they have snipers all around. They have Mike Conley, a guy that's been there. He's been a uh, he's been a leader for multiple playoff teams. Uh, you have a guy like Joe Ingles, uh, who is one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA right now. Um, guy's insane. Um, and Bogdan Bogdanovich, who also adds um, another level to that team, being the fourth option in the starting lineup. Um, they have a deep rotation as well. Um, Royce O'Neal, that guy is just absolutely unreal. Um, and so I think that Utah is one of the better teams in the NBA right now. That's how they got their first seed. Um, that's how they had the best record in the NBA. Um, and so it wouldn't surprise me if Utah just is able to handle either of those teams in six. Good takes, good takes. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, we're going to keep this rolling on forward into the next segment, good NBA talk, and we'll be right back after this. But first, we have a tr- quick trivia question um and that trivia question is as my computer loads it up since the 1983-84 season charles oakley holds the record for the most rebounds in a single nba game at 35 dennis rodman is tied for second place on that list with 34 who is dennis rodman tied with so who is dennis rodman tied with for the second place uh since the 1983-84 season for rebounds in a single game. We'll have that answer next. You're listening to the Mars Insight Sports Podcast featuring Yach. All right, and we are back on the Mars Insight Sports Podcast featuring Yach, and we left you with a trivia question in the NBA uh, before the break. Since the 1983-84 season, Charles Oakley holds the record for most rebounds in a single game at 35. Dennis Rodman is tied for second place in that list with 34. Who is Dennis Rodman tied with? Guys, what are your uh, guesses on this one? I'm going with Moses Malone. Moses Malone, that's a, that's a good pick. It's not right, but it's a good pick. Dang it! <laughs> I know it's not my guy, Shaq. I know it's not Shaquille O'Neal, because... I didn't ask you who it's not, yeah. Josiah asked you who it is. Fine, fair enough. My my guess would have to be the round mound of rebound himself, Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley was number four on the list, so he, uh, he had 33 oh. rebounds and was tied with Kevin Willis for it. Is it Kevin Love? It is not Kevin Love. Kevin Love currently holds the number eight spot tied with Dikembe Batumbo, Dennis Rodman again, and Kevin Willis with 31. Mm. Now, the answer to this question is Ronnie Cycli. And I so if, literally oh, don't even I, know who that is. I recognize that name from NBA Jam. He was a legend <laughs> that you could unlock. 
And he was actually a really incredible player, but this was during his Miami Heat time. Uh, he was actually really, really solid. He averaged uh, 14 points per game, um, 9.5 rebounds per game. This was over the course of his career. This guy, so a near triple-double throughout his career. Uh, go look him up, and if you're out there and you knew it was Ronnie Cycli, uh, tweet us, Facebook message us, whatever, and we'll give you a shout-out on the next episode. Mars will give you a kiss on the forehead. That is up for debate. He will, he will come to your house late at night and kiss you and tuck you into bed. <laughs> I will not do that. Um, it sounds like Ben would be interested, though. But, okay, so that was the, uh, the trivia question for us today from the NBA. Now, we're going to go into... We did this last week. We're going to do it again uh, with Ben here, so... Josiah and Ben, we're gonna do a lightning round. And so start the music. And what we're gonna do is, I'm going to ask you a series of four questions and you both are gonna give me just your off the top reactions toward it, uh, just real quick. Um, and we're gonna keep this moving. So building the intensity with music here, we have question number one. And it is a major league baseball question. I wanna yes. know your thoughts on this. And it is sadly and it's an embarrassing one for my Oakland A's. This is a meal, and I'm showing it to you right now. If you're a viewer out there, uh, or a listener out there, look it up, Oakland A's meal. The Oakland A's serve their <laughs> minor league players uh, really just rotten-looking post-game meals. Uh, just, I mean, a sandwich with a tomato and American slice of American cheese, uh, which doesn't sound terrible, but it looks and terrible. And coleslaw. And coleslaw. <laughs> And then a fajita with two little tiny pieces of chicken, not even big enough to call a chicken nugget. Guys, how do you feel about this treatment of players when I'm sure that the owners of the A's are eating lobster every night? Uh, it's utterly ridiculous. It reminds me of something uh, that you give to elementary school students after they're done playing in their peewee league football team. Uh, I think it's absolutely gross um and i think that even ncaa players get treated better than that and listen they can't even uh sign a football for profit which is insane to me i it's another opinion for another day the ncaa is ridiculous um but uh that's even more ridiculous i think even sodexo it's new dining had better portions than that mm. so yeah, that's just absolutely absurd. Yeah, I mean, this is worse than cafeteria food, I think. It's true. I mean, Ben talked about cafeteria food. You're talking about cafeteria food. I mean, this is, this is rough. Um, it's the stuff These are professionals. That you, Even if it is minor league. It's the stuff that you make in your dorm room when you're hungry at 4 a.m. and need to throw something in the microwave real quick. Well, I don't know of anyone that their go-to is coleslaw, but... Yeah, coleslaw and a piece of bread and two pieces of bread with American cheese that looked like it came out of a craft single, a, a single tomato, and and some shredded just a lettuce. Pinch of lettuce. Yeah, I don't even know if there was a piece of lunch meat on there. It may have been underneath the cheese, but if it was, it was I a doubt small it. And it should be said that the A's have fired the vendor who provided this meal since it was given. So they're trying to make those corrective Good. steps, but uh, the minor leaguers for the Oakland A's organization. Did not eat well that day. Maybe maybe that's why the A's suck. Not eating well. Moving on. Uh, question number two. <laughs> we have 
Well, LeBron James, <laughs> following the Lakers' loss, it's another back to the Lakers LeBron James thing, but he was talking about Space Jam uh, after the movie. Immediately after the game had ended, he's talking about Space Jam 2 and how he's moving on to that. Guys, I mean, it's been said that LeBron James went to Hollywood half for basketball, half for business. Uh, do you think that's an accurate thing to say after him that quickly moving yes. on and making jokes after a playoff loss? I I saw something uh, the other day. Uh, MJ dropped Space Jam after it was. What was it? Was it was it directly after his second three P or was it in the middle I of his second? I don't re I don't quite remember. Um, but whatever it was, he he was coming off a championship. And LeBron is dropping Space Jam 2 coming off of a first-round exit. Um, and you could make the argument that LeBron had a better supporting cast, even though they were horrible, horrible, horrible on the court. He had a better supporting cast than MJ did um, with any of his Bulls team. Uh, just because of, on paper, who the players are, their accolades coming into Los Angeles this season, whatever. Um, but, I mean... Yeah, it was already slated, but also you could make the argument that they had slated Space Jam to come out this year because they expected LeBron to win the finals mm. this year. Um, and so, yeah, I, uh, I think that um, it's also just a bad business move on his part to <laughs> joke about it and drop it after uh, <laughs> after losing in the first round. I mean, granted, the trailer dropped before the playoffs even started, but... Yeah, it's just... Ben, how are you feeling? Anyways. I, I, I think that uh, telling by his behavior in that first round, uh, walking down the court on defense, walking out on his team with five minutes left, clearly shows that he doesn't care about basketball anymore. Uh, I think that uh, he's ready for name recognition and money. Uh, I, I genuinely think that Michael Jordan was never about that. Um... Even with his Jordan brand shoes, even with buying a basketball team, he has never struck me as someone who cared more about name recognition and money uh, and being talked about as one of the greatest. He knows he's one of the greatest. Doesn't care if you talk about him as one of the greatest. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't have, have to announce it all the time because he knows. Too. I think LeBron is so mm -hmm. insecure about his position in basketball greatness that he constantly has to announce it. Mm. Uh, and I think he wants name recognition more than titles. I, I genuinely believe that. I mean, even after they won the title last year, what was the first thing he said is, I want my respect. You just won a championship. People shouldn't respect that. You don't have to ask for it. Um, and so I think that's a fair take there. Also, his hairline is getting so bad, his head is starting to look more like Elmer Fudd's uh, bald head every day. Um, so, moving on. Or Caruso's. On. Or Caruso. Uh, Caruso and Elmer Fudd. Now, that's actually a pretty decent yeah. comparison there. Um, especially because of the headband. Uh, moving forward into the mm. next question. It's another NBA question, but NBA on TNT. The guys uh, this last week kind of took a rotation. Each one had a night off. Started with Shaq, then Kenny, then uh, Chuck. But their fill-in was Draymond Green, again, and he seems to be a pretty consistent fill-in for them. Once he gets kicked out of the playoffs, he comes on and takes a night for him. Uh, but he did kind of Kenny's run to the board, uh, break down the game analysis, and he did a pretty good job at it. Do you guys see Draymond Green as potentially somebody who could take a spot on that, uh, on that table? 
absolutely. I've never debated the fact that Draymond Green was a smart player. I think he is a very, very. I think he's the smartest player on that on any of those Golden State teams at any point. I think he may be smarter than Steve Kerr. Um, I have debated the fact that he is a great defender, and I have debated the fact that he is a great player and an all-star worthy player. Um, I think if you had put him on any other team during those Golden State runs, nobody would have cared. I think if he was on Phoenix in their dog days, nobody would have cared about him. Um, That's what I've debated. I've never debated if he's a smart player. I could definitely see him taking a spot on that cast uh, when his playing days are done. Um, as long as he's not kicking Shaq and, and, and uh, Barkley in the nuts. <laughs> Amen. Retweet. Um, yeah, as someone that hated that Golden State dynasty because they continually knocked us out of the playoffs um, and they stole our best player from us, uh, I I have questioned Draymond Green if, like, if he was deserving. Uh, but anyone that's a second-round talent in the NBA um, – they they have the talent to make an NBA roster for one and for two. Um, they may be smarter than more of the more athletically gifted um, first round guys. Like you have to be smart. You have to know exactly where you have to be. You have to know what exactly you are doing on the court at all times if you're a second round talent and you want to make an NBA roster. Um, so the fact that Draymond not only earned a spot on the roster um, and uh, was a contributor uh he was a contributor he was a defensive player of the year he was uh all of these things maybe it was just because of recency bias back then whenever golden state was absolutely running things a 73 and 9 season all that um but draymond was a smart player um still is a smart player and i think he's going to be a great analyst whenever he finally retires um and i think that that is just a thing of he has a guaranteed uh, spot there whenever uh, whenever he's out of the NBA. Um, he's consistently shown it by being a guest speaker for them, guest analyst. Um, and so, yeah, I think that Draymond may have a very much more successful analyst career than his NBA career. It's true. I mean, and uh, Ben makes a great point about uh, him being kind of controversial at times. Uh, but I think that's something that plays well on that table that, uh, with those other guys. And the fact, too, that he's won three championships. Uh, Chuck has won zero. So moving forward to the next uh, piece here. This is just a little bit of an interesting thing here. It's kind of a self-serving question, I guess, is... The Arkansas Razorbacks are number one in college baseball and have been all year long, um, except for like the first two or three weeks. But other than that, I mean, it's it's been the hogs. But the college baseball playoffs are happening right now, along with the college softball playoffs, and those are heating up. Just simply, do you care? Uh, I do care. Uh, I care because it's the only sport Arizona State has a shot of winning a national championship in. Uh, so I do pay attention to Arizona Fair State. Uh, I do care, um, but only about Arizona State. As soon as they get eliminated, I can care less. But uh, I will watch until they get eliminated. Fair enough. Yach? I mean, I keep up with it. I'm like trying to see how well we're doing, how we're doing. Uh, Cops uh, winning best player in... Uh, Absolutely. That's his name, right? Kevin Cops. Call yeah. the Cops. Uh, Kevin Cops. Yep, he uh, winning national player of the year. Um, I'm genuinely impressed that Arkansas is finally competing in a in college sport again. 
Um, I mean, we we had a fairly good basketball season, um, but to see that we are number one in the nation in baseball, um, genuinely impressed um, and super excited. What this could mean for the University of Fayetteville, um, if we're going to bring in some more uh, University of Arkansas in Fayetteville. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's exciting. Absolutely. It's exciting to see, and just I know I'm going to be watching. They're going to play in their uh, regional today with a chance to go to the Super Regionals. So a lot on the line right there. And so we'll be keeping up a little bit with that just because, like I said, Razorback fan. Ben's an Arizona State fan, and so we'll be... We'll be watching that closely, but that is all that I have for our lightning round. And so give yourselves a hand for that. And so if you're out there and you have some other thoughts or opinions, feel free to tweet us once again. And we're gonna give you something else that you may find tweetable. Um, the NFL guys is heating up um, and free agency and in the trade world. Uh, we just heard news today about Julio Jones being dealt to the Tennessee Titans. Um, it's a pretty big deal right there. And what are just early reactions for you two? Um, I'm going to paraphrase A.J. Brown. Uh, you done messed up. Uh, listen, that team with Julio, I think we saw what kind of impact a big-name receiver uh, and a star wide receiver like DeAndre Hopkins can make on the Cardinals. Um, they did not get any talent that year other than Hopkins, and they won – and they looked like a potential playoff team, uh, except if Kingsbury is a horrid co- coach. Um, I think that, that that Titans team is well coached. I think now they have a, an, a, the best receiver in football in Julio Jones. Uh, I think Tannehill is a very capable, very talented quarterback. Derrick Henry is an absolute beast. Their defense is solid. Uh, I think that A.J. Brown is really good. Um I like the Titans. I've liked the Titans. Uh, at the risk of spilling in an unpopular opinion early on, Ryan Tannehill is now my dark horse for MVP. Um, I I think that they are a tight end away now from being uh, one of those juggernauts in the AFC. Um, I think that their defense can pull it together. I hope uh, they've made some good moves over the offseason. Kevin Byard is one of the most underrated safeties in football. Um, and now that Tannehill has a top 10 receiver all time that he's able to throw the ball to, who's they got an absolute highway robbery with, just trading a second and a fourth for him. Um, that's absurd. Is it is it worse than the Hopkins trade? Um, we get rid of, the Cardinals get rid of David Johnson is an albatross of a contract. And granted, he is the most mediocre running back in the NFL right now, too. I mean, like, it's I, – I don't know because they took on one of the worst contracts in football. One of the worst contracts Hopkins. and only got a third-round pick in return out of it. Yeah. Um, and now <laughs> David Johnson's in a running back rotation with Philip Lindsay, who I think that should be given the reins in that backfield, but that's another conversation. Uh, and Mark Ingram. Like you, you bring in those guys these off this off season because you don't believe in David Johnson, um, and so. Um, but yeah, I think that this move is going to um, solidify Tennessee. Um, you saw uh, Tannehill was top ten fantasy quarterback last year with uh, Corey Davis as his wide receiver too. Now his wide receiver too is AJ Brown, who was a 
solid wide receiver one and who's going to take an even bigger leap this season, I think, personally. And you bring in a guy like Julio Jones, who, sure, he may be slowing down with his older age. He is still a top five receiver in the NFL right now, um, and he will be for the next at least two years. Um, his name value alone brings in uh, a ton of revenue for the Titans. Um, Derrick Henry's going to do Derrick Henry things. Um, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones on the outside. It's going to be something special to watch. Um, so I am, I'm excited for Tennessee. Not necessarily excited to maybe see them in the playoffs, but I'm excited for Tennessee. And that's a great question. Uh, ben, you seem really high on Tennessee, too. I mean, where does this put them in your mind as far as Super Bowl contenders? Uh, where are they on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, it's, I, I, it's hard to put them on a scale of 1 to 10 because the ASC now has three really strong teams. Joe had an unpopular opinion a couple weeks back that Cleveland was the only real threat to... Um, to uh, uh, Casey, you know, coming back in the Super Bowl, and I was I was on board. It was a good opinion, um, but now that Tennessee's grabbed Julio, I don't know the three. I think ASC. You could you could potentially see three teams coming out of that ASC. You could see, um, and didn't they snag uh, J- uh, Clowney or the Browns snagged Clowney? Brown's oh, okay, well, so, yeah. That's another reason why I was saying Cleveland scares me a lot. I'm not super scared having them week one because Patrick Mahomes in September is just unreal. Uh, Andy Reid in September is unreal, but... I think I think Tennessee uh, is right up there with Cleveland as a three. Mm. Josiah, you have a 1-10 to 10 rating? Um, again, it's difficult to put anyone on a 1-10 to 10 scale whenever it comes to talking about playoff probability um, and Super Bowl probability because it's two teams out of 32. Um, I think that Tennessee mm. can easily get a top three seed in the playoffs and have uh, advantage throughout. I think they're easily going to win the AFC South this year. Um, I I see them being there, up there with uh, Kansas City, up there with Cleveland, um, and I don't really necessarily buy into Buffalo that much. Um, I think that Josh Allen might be a one-and-done season. Um, I think that Baltimore is still a good football team, but I don't know if they're going to be on that level that I am seeing uh, Cleveland next season. I'm hoping that Baker can continue to take those steps to be the guy that the Browns need. Um, But, uh, yeah, I... I'd say Tennessee has a solid chance. Um, they continually hold their own in the playoffs. Um, and so, <coughs> sorry, I'm interested to see uh, how things continue to, to develop after this Julio trade. Um, but I'm very excited to watch them play. And I'm excited for fantasy implications there. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, with Julio Jones and... Uh... Henry on that, Derrick Henry on a fantasy roster possibility is unreal. Uh, speaking of more trades and moves, though, uh, is Green Bay in jeopardy? Uh, Aaron Rodgers is still, it's up in the air what's going to happen there. Um, 
there's been a lot of talk. Uh, he isn't at the OTAs. He isn't, you know, he's going around on shows talking about how the the organization used to be about the people and they've forgotten about how it's about the people. Are people starting to get tired? Are you starting to get tired of this Aaron Rodgers saga and just hoping that it kind of comes to a close whatever way it goes? Real quickly, because I think we're running out of time, but but listen, I... I've been tired of it for three years now. Listen, we've been on this story really for three years. It's it's really nothing different. It's just Aaron Rodgers getting more and more tired. Um, yeah, I'm tired of it. It's it's annoying. Uh, they need they need to move him. I don't think he's going to want to play for them. Uh, I'm being completely honest. Uh, you got to move him now while trade value is still high. Um, you wait till midseason where he hasn't played half the season because he's not playing for you, and it's nobody's going to offer you anything. Uh, you need to move him while people are still in doubt whether he'll play or not. And um, I, and a prediction, think he's going to end up with the Las Vegas Raiders. I would mm. personally hate that, uh, but <laughs> that is one of his desired locations. Um, John Gruden. Gruden. Uh, I think that Green Bay needs to move him before they lose all morale in their locker room. Um, you already had uh, five of your top six receivers from last season, um, or five of the top six receivers on your roster right now, uh, decide to not show up to OTAs as well. Um, if you're going to want to retain some of those guys, um, you're <laughs> if you're going to want to keep Devontae Adams happy, because um, that's next in line uh, uh, for superstars on your roster that you need to keep happy, I don't think... Devontae Adams is going to be super happy if you continue to keep things up in the air. Um, he's a top five receiver. You need to keep those guys happy. Otherwise, you're going to implode like the Texans have. Um, and so I think that the Packers were in a little bit of a better situation than the Texans were <laughs> going into this. But they need to move quick. Uh, Aaron Rodgers wants out. It's clear. You can't keep on holding on to him and keep on holding on hope that you can mend that relationship because it's broken. It's you're not going to be able to retain it. So they need to move him quick. They need to move him for a sizable package. They need to either assert that Jordan Love is their quarterback of the future and give him the opportunity to step in this season, or they need to bring in a veteran from a team that they make a trade with. Um, which is why I think that they should trade with the 49ers, bring in uh, Jimmy G, give him the opportunity, and maybe Jordan Love can step in at the midseason or something. Um, and then 40. I would hate it if you went to the yes. 49ers. We're, we're, either way, we are. There is a host on this show that's. Well, except for Mars. Mars, you're whatever. Um, but either way, with his, his destinations that he's given, uh, <laughs> the 49ers, the Raiders, and the Broncos were three of his. Uh, those were his top teams. Um, it's. Uh, <laughs> uh, either way, we're going to get screwed. So you're going to have a host on the show that's yep. not going to be happy. Um, but I think San Fran's a more desirable location. You go in, you mentor Trey Lance for a year or two or three, um, and then uh, you also get a solid quarterback in return And Jimmy G. Uh, they have a better offense built around him uh, than the Raiders would or uh, the uh, Broncos would. 
and you can make the argument that they have the better defense uh, than either of those teams, too. Uh, definitely over the Raiders. The Raiders' defense is atrocious. Uh, Denver's defense is a lot more solid. Um, but the San Fran defense, uh, paired along with Aaron Rodgers, giving Aaron Rodgers a top, top 10 defense is going to be something that would be special. Um, and then that NFC West would be the best division that football's ever seen. Um, because you got your quarterbacks, if you bring in Aaron Rodgers to the 49ers, you got Matthew Stafford. I think, what, you've got three top 10 quarterbacks yeah, in got, the league in, in the NFC West? You got Matthew Stafford, you got Russell Wilson, you got <laughs> Kyler Murray, and you got Aaron Rodgers, which would be hilarious if uh, I would, sorry, Ben, I would say that Kyler is the worst quarterback in the division at that point. But, which is, no, I, I completely agree. Which is so wild because he's so <laughs> he's talented. so talented. He could be their number one quarterback in like a lot of other divisions. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I, I can't put Kyler over Matt Stafford or Russell Wilson, and I definitely can't put him over Aaron Rodgers. So um, yeah, that would be. In, I would sorry in advance, Ben, if that happens. <laughs> Just to touch back real quick on that. Analogy I was giving with Damian Lillard earlier in the group projects. It feels like Aaron Rodgers right now is a guy who had a group. It was all set. And not only that, he's one of the ones everyone is expecting to be a major contributor for the group because he's been top of the class. And then they let someone else into their group that he didn't like, Jordan Love. And now he's being all passive-aggressive about that and not going to do any of the work that he's assigned to do. He's just going to hold out and say, oh, I'll do it the night before, I'll do it the night before. And the Packers are all sitting there like, hey, uh, this, are you going to do this part? And he says, oh, yeah, I'll do it. Don't worry about it. And I think he's going to end up leaving him high and dry at the end of it. And I do think he's going to leave. Um, yeah. but I don't think a decision will be made until really almost right before uh, the very end, like last opportunity. Preseason's about to start all these things. So I think we're going to ride out uh, this Aaron Rodgers wave for a little bit longer um, but that's kind of where that I think is headed. So it'll be interesting to watch some of these moves in the NFL as it continues to shake out and we get ready for next season. But until then, we'll be moving on to our next segment. Um, and before we do, I have another trivia question. This is an NFL one. Uh, one of the things that has been talked about with Aaron Rodgers is could he just retire? Could he go host Jeopardy? Um, <laughs> Obviously, Aaron Rodgers won the MVP award last year, and in the history of the NFL, there have only been two players to ever retire after winning the MVP award. The first was Van Brocklin in 1960, but who was the second? And we will have that answer coming up for you next. You love to hate them. It's time for another edition of Unpopular Sports Opinions. You love to hate them. It's time for another edition of Unpopular Sports Opinions. All right, and welcome back to the Marston Type Sports Podcast featuring EH. And we left you with a trivia question. In the history of the NFL, there have only been two players to ever retire after winning the MVP award. The first was Van Brocklin in 1960, who was the second. And we know that Aaron Rodgers just won the MVP award, but 
1965, Jim Brown retired after winning the MVP award the season before. So Jim Brown, one of the great, uh, well-known players throughout NFL history, he's why finished on top. Why the Cleveland Browns are called the Cleveland Browns is because Jim Brown is the player that built that franchise. You know, I mean, put the put the whole franchise on his back, and he was able to carry it all the way to the MVP. <laughs> so, all right, as you just heard uh, from our segment break music, it's time for Unpopular Sports Opinions. We do it every week, and we're going to go ahead and start off strong here. First week back after his honeymoon, Ben, what do you got? So we were talking earlier about top five players in the NBA. Really got me thinking. I was thinking about each position, right? I got some unpopular opinions. At the four, give me Kevin McHale. And at the five, give me Hakeem Olajuwon. Uh, I think that Kevin McHale is the man of a thousand moves. Is As a traditional four, I don't think there's anyone better. right? I think when you look at Dirk, he is more of this new school, you know, shoot kind of guy. Shoot first kind of guy. I think Kevin McHale's championship pedigree is, is unmatched uh, by by anyone other than not named Tim Duncan. Um, and uh, I like McHale. Kevin McHale has always scared me. <laughs> I'm just going to be completely honest. Um it does. <laughs> He's always kind of striked fear into me, and so you even saying Kevin McHale there is kind of something that makes me uneasy. And so I'm going <laughs> to defer to Josiah on this unpopular sports opinion and just take a second, because uh, Kevin McHale is going to haunt me in my dreams now tonight. <laughs> and so no offense to him. I don't know why he scares me so bad. He just does. I, I definitely agree that Kevin McHale's top five all time. I don't know if I can put him over Duncan or... Uh, Garnett or Dirk but anyways my unpopular opinion and I I'll just say it I don't think Jason Tatum will ever win a league MVP and it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up being the number two option to Jalen Brown on that Boston Mm. Celtics team interesting I I don't buy into Jason Tatum as much as everyone else does um, just watching him in the playoffs, just seeing the player that he is, I think guys, especially with the narrative that's going to be pushed moving forward, unless if Boston can finally move off Kimball Walker and finally bring in another legitimate point guard to surround them, um, I think a guy like Devin Booker will win MVP before Jason Tatum. I think that a guy like John Morant could win MVP before Jason Tatum. I think that a guy like Luka Doncic will win an MVP before Jason Tatum. I I think Jason Tatum is a solid NBA player, but I don't think he has that killer instinct, and I don't think he has an upper echelon to take him into um, that MVP category. I don't think he's the leader that everyone expects him to be. Um, I'm buying into Jason Tatum being an all-star. I'm not buying into him being an MVP candidate. It's fair, the MVP side, because there are a lot of great other players who could win it in the future. But to say that he may take a backseat to Jalen Brown and that you don't see him as a killer instinct and that he's a... I mean, the guy scored 50 
in the play-in game to put it away, get his team in the playoffs already. He goes into the, the only reason they won a game in the playoffs was because of that man. And Jalen Brown was sitting on the bench and he said, I'm going to take over and do what I can. I am such a Jason Tatum fan. And so, by the way, I'm back from that Kevin McHale little breakdown <laughs> that I had. Um, to talk again, Boston Celtics, and it's crazy because we're about to have three straight unpopular opinions that involve Celtics, current players, former players, uh, and the organization. But I, uh, to, to borrow from Stephen A. Smith, who I don't borrow from much, Put some respect on that man's name. He may not win an MVP, but he is the absolute number one option on any team that he's on for the rest of his career, bar none, period. Put a bow on it. All, all I'm going to say is, in response to both of you, is I've never seen a team with two all-stars get beat so badly in the playoffs. And part of that reason is because Jalen Brown was out. No, um, the other all-star right now is Kemba Walker. That's no, Kimba Walker's right not been. No, Kimba Walker's not been an All Star for Jalen Brown three, four was years. out. Kimba Walker's the only one okay, who's okay. ever won an All Star. Yeah. Then let me let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. Even when they were together, okay. never have I okay. ever seen a team with two All Stars be sub sub five hundred till Boston. I get what you're saying now. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, I think Jalen Brown's one of the smartest players in the NBA. Just like seeing some of his commentary outside of sports, um, his educational background um one of the better two-way players that we've seen in a while he knows exactly where he needs to be he knows exactly what he has to do and so it wouldn't surprise me if he takes that next step to be the guy in boston um he's not going to be as marketable um but uh i think that jalen brown has the potential to be the better player out of the two um, they're still super young. Neither of them have really hit their prime yet. And so um, I think that Jason Tatum is a special player, but I don't think he's MVP caliber. And it wouldn't – I won't say it's going to happen, but it wouldn't surprise me if Jalen Brown developed into the better player of the two. Mm. I I disagree, but – I think that I think that the Celtics got the steal of the draft getting him at the three – <laughs> after Markel Fultz and Lonzo Ball. Um, I would also but, like to say that the reason the Celtics grabbed Jalen Brown is because Josh Jackson refused to work out with him because he was promised with Phoenix, and he preferred to go to Phoenix. So if the Celtics had just drafted Josh Jackson, the Suns would have Jalen Brown. <laughs> oh, what a... That would, that would be uh, very interesting, but then you wouldn't necessarily have the team that you have now it could have been better but it also could have been could have been different well i don't know we've seen where talent comes together and it doesn't really pair well so yeah you know like i said uh we're talking i mean you mentioned kevin McHale and uh akeem elijah Wan, so celtics player with kevin McHale, and then jason tatum and jalen brown i'm keeping it with the celtics so it's a clean sweep um for them this time out Brad Stevens as the head of basketball operations, I actually think, I actually think it's a good move. Um, And I've heard a lot of people say no. I think it's a good move just because I think he did a good job with the Celtics with what he had up to where they were. 
Um, because you think about even the players that they had, they were young, Did you watch? Did you see his rotations? Oh, no, no. I think it's time for him. I fully believe. I thought that he should have been fired from his head coaching spot. 100%. I thought that. I thought Danny Ainge should probably move on from being the president of basketball operations. I thought Brad Stevens was just going to get fired and go somewhere else. I think getting his hands off of this team as far as a everyday coaching standpoint, but keeping him on in the organizational side is huge because that guy does know basketball and he showed it at Butler playing at a school that wasn't, I mean, you don't think of Butler as the top of the top and he took him there. And then he gets to Boston and he at least leads into playoffs consistently. He knows the game of basketball um, and I think he knows where it's headed. And now getting him off of the everyday management of it, more towards the who's going to play where, who's going to handle these things, and giving whoever the next coach is a great opportunity, I think it's a brilliant move, honestly, from the Celtics. That that being that being said, I think Danny Ainge just became the most coveted uh, front office executive mm. uh, in the NBA. Uh, I think that... He pulled off the height of the century, heist of the century in that Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett's trade. Um, and I think at the end of his career in Boston, he got a little greedy and he was trying to do too much and he was trying to make trades that didn't fit. And And I think he's going to learn from that. And I think that whatever front office brings him in, I don't necessarily think he'll get a position as a GM. I think whatever front office that brings him in is going to realize how invaluable he is uh, in terms of of evaluating talent. Did he not retire, or did he just step away? He stepped I, away. I thought that he uh, like from, came out. And from said what it. I understood, he st- from what I understood, he he stepped. Well, down. and even if he said he retired, he, I mean, it, give him a year or two, and he's back in the Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians yeah. retired. Yeah, there. I mean, there and are so, guys that say they retire all the time, and they come right back to leadership roles. So I think that Ainge may take a year or two off and then step into potentially a GM. You spot. know where I see Danny Age going? Minnesota. Go to Minnesota with their new ownership. Maybe the team's getting ready to move. Even I've heard rumblings of that uh, out of Minnesota. They're looking at it. He would be a great guy to launch into that next uh, launch into that next phase. Seattle SuperSonics making a comeback. I would, I would love to see uh, a team like Sacramento bring him. Mm. Sacramento's mm-hmm. front office has been a mess for de- for for two decades now. I Absolutely. would love to see Sacramento bring him in. All right, unpopular opinions. Episode number six. It's a wrap on that, and so we're gonna take one more break, and then we'll be right back, and we will close out this show. Thank you for listening to the Marston Sipes Sports Podcast featuring Yeach. Make sure to like and subscribe to the show on the streaming platform of your choice. Here we are wrapping up episode number six of the Marston Sipes Sports Podcast featuring Yeach. Six weeks we've been doing this, guys, uh, and we are actually right now in 11 different states and three different countries. So we are wow. continuing that international Crazy. streak and we are growing in our audience. So thank you all for listening. Uh, but we just want to wrap up real quick. Any thoughts, what you're looking forward to in the sports world uh, this week? What you got? 
Um, right now, uh, it's 72-72 with 10 minutes left in the Cl- in the Clippers-Mavericks game. Uh, I'm going to mm. end this podcast. I'm going to go finish that game. Uh, but other than that, I'm looking for the playoffs to continue. we got a lot of interesting matchups. Uh, Suns-Nuggets is interesting. Um, I think the Hawks-Philadelphia will be a fun, fun series. I think... I even think, even though I think it's going to be a sweep, I think Brooklyn-Milwaukee is going to be fun to watch. Um, you know, so I'm looking for playoff basketball to continue. Uh, and, of course, Hezbollah and Abdul. <laughs> you stole it from me. I, am, I knew you were going to bring forward, it up. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the Mayweather-Logan Paul fight being over tonight so that everything can be shifted to the fight of the year. Um, I am ready to continue to learn more about the uh, pop star Abdu and uh, learn more about uh, the homie of Khabib, Hezbollah, uh, Khabib Jr., if you will, uh, continuing to learn more about them and continuing to see that fight develop, hopefully getting a date for the t- uh, fight soon. Absolutely, and we will get that GoFundMe to get some tickets to go watch the fight uh, going <laughs> very soon. I, I would cry if I was able to be at that fight. <laughs> I would cry. Um, uh, Hasbula all the way, by the way. I just want to say that. Um, big time. Yeah. Gotta go Hasbula. Um, I think we're all Team Hasbula, but if we talk about it at some point, someone may have to play devil's advocate and root for Abdu. Just it's to, true. We'll, we'll have to... Have to We'll have to make it a segment in a week or two or something like that. I we'll honestly don't out. remember who it was that you sent to me, but you showed me one video of one uh, doing a little practice drill punching, and they had a good right hook. They had a lot of power mm. behind it, honestly, and so we'll see. That was Hasbulla. He's got he's got a hook. It's gonna. I mean, that's gonna be it. Um, for this week, for me, I mean, I'd be lying if I said anything other than I'm watching the Razorbacks baseball, uh, just because it's been so long since. I mean, they've never won a major, a national championship in a major sport uh, since I've been alive. So the last one was in since any of us have been alive. So the last one was in 1994 uh, with that magical run uh, to the basketball championship. So it would be great to see, um, and I'll be watching college baseball, and then also just trying to. Get a feel again for these playoffs. I mean, I need my Clippers to carry it through. I've never said my Clippers uh, before in my life. Yeah, but, you might want to wash your mouth out after that. But you know, right now, uh, I'm believing in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, which is a dangerous I mean, place to be. To be fair, OKC does own all of their picks. So, you can say go Clippers for this playoffs, but you better start saying lose, Clippers lose. <laughs> That's true. Yes. That's another reason why I'm looking forward to the Clippers losing, because they're going to self-implode, and then they're going to go through a rebuild, but they're not going to have picks to go through a rebuild. Kawhi's going to force his way out this offseason. It'll be interesting to see. Maybe maybe bring Kawhi into a... Maybe bring Kawhi over to Portland with Dame. Could you, Dame imagine if, the, could you imagine if OKC snagged Kawhi? Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Sam Presti, I, I believe Sam Presti is the best general trades, manager in the NBA. He trades, this is, it's the long con, he trades all of the Clippers' picks back to the Clippers <laughs> for Kawhi Leonard. It's just one bad Hallmark movie the whole way. So, at the end of well, the day, he flips Paul George for the, Kawhi Leonard. Maybe you have the advantage of, you have enough picks from Houston, from uh, Miami, 
from all these other picks that you've acquired over the years to, to just trade other teams' picks for Kawhi so you can sink the Clippers and also take all of their picks. Yeah, he's playing. The fact that we were able to fleece Paul George, who granted was an MVP candidate that season, was phenomenal, looking like a stud. Uh, the fact that we were able to fleece Shea Gilgis Alexander, who I still think is has the potential of being a top five guard in the NBA, um, if he continues to develop, um, and fleece Danilo Gallinari coming off a twenty point per game season, and fleece six picks, whether they were unprotected or they were swaps, six picks, a twenty point per game scorer. And someone that was taken in the lottery that looks like a generational talent for Paul George. I just know how good it felt when that shot came off of the side of the backboard, knowing that we got their six picks, SGA and Danilo, out of that. So, Mm. well, we'll have to keep an eye on that. All I know is uh, everybody's playing checkers and Sam Presti is playing chess. So... Amen. Uh, Moving forward. uh, Great show, everybody. I'll look forward to uh, next week with episode seven. Guilty as charged. So thank you all for listening. Uh, Stay safe out there. Cold world.